Hello and welcome to Fans, a podcast hosted by me, Sachin Akrani, in which I speak to people I like, find interesting, or both about being football fans. This is the final episode of the series, and being the final episode of the series, I really wanted to go out with a bang. I've definitely achieved that, given I'm joined to talk all things Scotland by the brilliant broadcaster, and more importantly, really sound person on Twitter. It's Kelly Case. <laughs> Kelly, how are you? I'm fine. I quite like that intro. <laughs> I like that I'm, I'm keeping the myth going on social media. <laughs> well, I was really, I'm genuinely intrigued to talk to you about your your um your presence and your profile on twitter because i genuinely really enjoy following you on there and one of the reasons for that is i mean you come across really funny you're really interesting you're really quirky i think i saw a tweet from you recently you're slagging off the witches film which was just brilliant oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) which yeah i'm not not eclectic (laughs) yeah i mean just uh seemed completely unnecessary but also really hilarious and i just think it's it's in sharp contrast to a lot of people who work in sports media which is obviously the field we both work in I think a lot of people, especially with your profile and status, um, it's a lot of shop talk. And in my opinion, a lot of very boring shop talk. Which I find it really off-putting when people just endlessly talking about, people who work in sports media talking about sport. I just find it off-putting. And I'm, I think I'm similar to you. I'll tweet as much about my favourite pack of crisps as I do about my favourite football match. But I'm, just re- I'm really intrigued from your point of view of how much that's a conscious decision to come across as a normal approachable funny interesting person and how much of that is just you grabbing your phone and just tweeting whatever you feel like tweeting about yeah it's not it's not a conscious thing but I what what is a conscious thing is that um I remember really near the beginning it would just if a goal went in just my timeline would be like 20 people going one nil one nil with the scorer and I was like oh my god this is tedious if you're at the match and it's your job to be you know kind of live streaming this or live tweeting this then fine but oh my god like don't don't break this as though it's you know your news yeah, yeah. that you're um so i made a really conscious effort not to do that but mostly it's just stream of consciousness stuff but i do think um like I, I do think that a lot of the football stuff is just repeating itself a lot of it is just kind of and, and unless you've got something really like unless you've got a hot take <laughs> kind of yeah, thing there's yeah. not there's not much point um you know i get i get that people tweet their articles and their writing yeah. that makes that makes sense yeah, yeah. but then or, or if there's a big topic and they feel that they're saying something that hasn't been said before or in a way that hasn't been said before i get it but mostly i just i just find somebody else who said it better and retweet them <laughs> that's my sort of approach yeah. to it no, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, I, I think people, it's almost this like a lack of self-awareness where someone's tweeting something about the game on TV, Manchester United-Chelsea, and no idea that there's about 10 other people saying exactly the same thing if it's a poor penalty call, or as you say, if it's a goal. And it just bores me to tears sometimes. I mean, I've, I've often found myself tweeting something. I'm boring myself, and I just think you know, about <laughs> why, why Aaron Wan-Bissaka isn't giving United enough width on the right-hand side. I think, I'm boring myself. I'm definitely going to bore everyone, I, everyone who follows me, and I just immediately delete it, and I'd rather than... But, at least, there's, but at least there's some kind of substance to that, though. At least, at least yeah. you're sort of, you know, you're forming an argument and making, even, you know, in, in the short form of Twitter, at least you're sort of adding something to it, other than... God, you know, they're really struggling to score. And you're like, mm, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we're all watching I just, this guy, yeah. I can, I can get that, yeah. But I just think it's, um, I think, and the other, the other thing I think about Twitter is you, you get out what you put into it. And so I, I never engage with like trolls or yeah. bots or um, just, I never engage, even, even if I just don't like someone's tone, <laughs> I just, I don't engage with them. I block and mute 
everybody. Like I'm, I'm absolutely, um, I just kind of go through it with like yeah. <laughs> a sharp knife. And even if somebody tweets, um, like someone I follow, and that's the other thing I don't know is when people quote tweet their arguments, and I just think I don't want your row. I'm not on Twitter for your row. Don't put that in my in my domain. Um, so yeah, even if I see someone who's a bit of an idiot to someone I follow, then I I block them as well. <laughs> they, I do preemptive blocking. I think it's a good thing. I'm a massive blocker. I've uh, I went through my block list a little while ago, and I was staggered by how many people I blocked. But I'm see, I'm like yeah. you. I just don't tolerate it. I just don't want to see it on my timeline. I've actually blocked people who are <laughs> friends as well. Like someone said, uh, like virus or indirect reader, but no, you blocked me on Twitter. Did I upset you? And I have I have no idea. But obviously, in that moment, <laughs> they just wound me up, and so I. And, yeah. yes, and also, I totally agree with you, people who argue via quote tweeting, so don't, mm. don't directly speak to the person, they quote tweet no. on top of their point, I just find that insane, but no, it, you're, it, yeah, sorry, Karen. And also, I'm just, I'm just looking at my, um, when you said that, I've blocked, I've blocked yeah. 543 people and muted 331 <laughs> of them. <laughs> I, think, right. I think I follow a lot of the people I've muted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I follow. I, I don't know if I'm getting grumpy because of everything that's going on in lockdown, but I've, I've started yeah. muting a lot of people who I ge genuinely like, I genuinely consider friends, but for the, at the yeah. point I made, they're just boring me to tears or yeah. they're grouchy and grumbly. And I think I'm grouchy in sort of my private life about lockdown mm. and everything that's going on at the moment, but I don't want to sort of spread that on Twitter because I don't want to make other people unhappy. And if people are doing that to me, I just immediately mute or block them. But exactly. Although my, my favourite medium for um, sports, I'm, I'm going to be bitching them, but my favourite medium <laughs> for sports presenters is, um, is Instagram. I think you yeah. learn a lot about how people think about themselves when they post yeah, pictures yeah. themselves on Instagram. I, I'm not very good on Instagram with work because I just... I, I kind of I, don't, I haven't really gone beyond sort of occasionally taking a picture of a studio or like in the old world taking a picture of a ground sort of going we're live at seven o'clock yeah, join yeah. us <laughs> I don't really know what else to put on it but um yeah there's, there's a lot of people who have who you I, I I think it's I think it's very revealing Instagram as to I mean, what people think is important about themselves Oh, definitely, yeah. I agree with that, genuinely. I mean, I'm not on Instagram or Facebook for that very reason. I find the right, self-indulgence on social media just horrendous. I keep it to Twitter where at least, you know, as you say, the sharing yeah. of articles or funny tweets and memes and GIFs um, add a lot. Yeah. And you add a lot to it, Kelly Case. You're fantastic. You <laughs> put <laughs> the fine work. Keep flagging <laughs> off films and the various things you do. Um, and it's actually kind of Twitter that we're here really talking because, um, as I said, we're going to talk about Scotland and your, and your association and love for the national team. And the country, obviously, as well. And as I said, he came via Twitter. Because um, um, like a lot of people, I was watching Scotland's game against Serbia uh, a few weeks ago, 12th of November, to be specific. And like a lot of people, absolutely gripped by the game and delighted when, when David Marshall obviously saved that penalty and Scotland won and finally qualified for a major tournament for the first time in 20, 22, 23 years. And like a lot of people, the first thing I would do was go on Twitter to see what people were saying about it. And one of the first tweets I saw was the, uh, I think it was a Five Live, BBC Five Live, a <laughs> tweet. And it was you, Pat Nevin and Roddy Forsyth, uh, I'm sure you've seen this obviously a million times yourself, um, working on the game remotely. I think you were at home, I presume. Yeah. And uh, you all sort of celebrated when David Marshall made the save. You seemed to be sort of in silent prayer and then jumped up wildly <laughs> when the save happened. And initially I saw that and I thought to myself, why is Kenny Kane so happy that Scotland have won? And then about 0 <laughs> honestly, 0 0.3 seconds later I went, of course she's happy they've won, she's Scottish. <laughs> but I think that's what makes it interesting because I, um, I think like a lot of people, I associate you very closely with English football. Obviously. Yeah. You've been covering it for so long, you do it on Sky and, and Five Live and stuff. But of course you are Scottish, um, you were born in Scotland as well. 
uh, have a deep affiliation with the country and the, and the national team. So I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you about all of that. Um, but let's first go back to then that night against Serbia. As I said, Thursday, the uh, 12th of November, uh, 2020. You just want to talk to me about the emotions of the game. It was such a, I mean, the late equaliser obviously was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for me. I have no association with Scotland. I can imagine yeah. <laughs> what you were going through. Do you want to talk about your emotions watching the game after, um, just everything you went through that night? I think I was, I was sort of prepared because I'm, I'm quite um, pessimistic. I like to ensure myself against any further disappointment by predicting it. And so I, um, I, was, I was thinking... You know, you know what's going to happen here. It's going to be a battling performance, and Scotland's going to lose. And it's it just, you know, I was, I was ready for it. I was kind of in my head. I had the whole sort of post match on the radio planned out in my head. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, obviously, going ahead, I was just <laughs> beside myself in the kitchen. So I'm, I'm sort of in my kitchen working off a laptop, trying to listen to the audio of um, Five Live commentators watching it on the telly but then there's a slight delay on that so I've got no, it's it's just it was just slightly chaotic but the goal went in and I was, just, I was just beside myself but then obviously that weirdly makes me more nervous because then I'm like right well oh no now I've had this now I've had this moment I've only got further to fall that's it that's I'm going to be in, isn't it that's yeah exactly yeah. and then um and then when the equalizer went in so late and you just think, and it was that sense of, it wasn't even disappointment. It was just, well, that, of course, of course that was going to happen. That was going to be away. And then just, I was just so sick all through um, extra time. And then the penalty shootout. And you just, you just see the players that have been maybe getting a hard time on Twitter or things during the game. And you see them step up to take a penalty and you're like, please. God, just just score like for for everything, not just for the country, but for you. Just for, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, it was just and and then obviously when David Marshall made the save, and then it went, and then it said, "Oh, the Serbian players are surrounding the officials, and they get they, they're saying he's, his foot was off the line." And because of the delay, I couldn't see. So I'm like, I, I can't see if his foot's on the line or not. So I can't yeah. I can't work out which way it's going to go. And then um. And then, yeah, and then and then that was it. And then John Murray was like, nope, but they, they're not going to have any of it. That's it. They've looked at it. And it's, it's like, oh, my God. So I had that kind of, um, that sort of excitement and then the sort of relief as well afterwards when, when it was. And then, obviously, it's like cans on and back to work. And then just, yeah. you know, and then I could see Pat Nevin going absolutely mad in the corner. And I, was, and I just thought I can't, I can't even formulate any question other than, you know, how was that for you or <laughs> how are you feeling or anything? Just one of those really obvious kind of questions that was just sort of, just keep it there, just stay in this moment because this feels huge. And it is Alexander Mitrovic, the main man, stepping forward. Goals galore for Serbia. But can David Marshall keep him out? Alexander Mitrovic has to score for Serbia. And Marshall has saved! Yes! One big yes! It's a happy ending for Scotland for a change! The time has come! The time really has come! A night for the players! A night for the fans! A night for all of Scotland! Serbia are complaining here! But Scotland can still rise now! And be a nation again. 
Scotland will be part of Euro 2020. Do you think you being so associated with Scotland um, maybe helped your entire broadcast? I mean, sometimes it's just wonderful to listen to someone speak with and broadcast with the emotion that they have from being associated with that country. Do you feel it really? Yeah, I think, I think international football, you can do that much yeah. more than you can for club football. I think if you do that with club football, it just sounds... It's a bit different if it's maybe, say, European Cup final or if it's one of these big nights where... You know, the team is just very much the, the story. But generally speaking, that it doesn't work in club football. No. But international football, it's, it's why I love it. Because you can kind of, um, it, it's, it's escapist, I think. And it's, you know, whether it's, I, I, it, it just, it feels that, you, because you, you identify with, with the country you identify with. Yeah. It's why I, I find this whole issue of, you know, around, especially it's players who've played for Ireland and England at the moment is, or you know, the last couple of years has been quite big, but I, but I absolutely get that. I think it's perfectly possible to have two really strong identities. But weirdly, I understand that because I just don't feel at all English. I just don't. I I just there's not a part of me that feels English. I I just don't. I don't kind of identify with it at all. And I think because of that, and having been brought up in England since I was like two, I do really understand when people say I, that I, I know it sounds strange to say that I feel so strongly Scottish that I understand how someone can have split identity or split association but it is I just think because I think it's something that you can't change it's part of you it's part of how you're brought up and it's just it, it it's it's it you can't explain it it's either there or it isn't yeah no i think that makes sense i don't think that's a contradiction at all this as you said it's something you feel sort of just inertly it's in you whether you know yeah there and you can't sort of trace it back to when it's, it's not scientific is it? it's purely emotional nope. how you feel about your country so anyway let's get on to that because i said i think that's that's really interesting so you were born in september 1975 in glasgow you moved to uh, England two years later. Now, I'm hoping I don't have to explain to most people living, uh, listening to this podcast why you moved. But for those who don't know, <laughs> your dad signed for Liverpool in 1977. Yes. Um, as I said, you were two then when you moved. So I'm guessing you don't have any memories of growing up in Glasgow. And I'm just wondering no. how you're, um, as you got older, obviously you're, you became increasingly aware that you are Scottish. Obviously, you're hearing Scottish voices in your house or your mum and dad are both Scottish. You're the oldest of four siblings, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, but the family's growing, there's a lot of Scottish voices in the house. When did you become sort of um, fully aware that you were a Scot growing up in English? And how did your curiosity about your background kind of manifest itself? And how curious were you as you grew up? And obviously in those early I had a Scottish accent until I went to school, even though I lived in England. Oh, really? Because I had Scottish parents, yeah, yeah I had a Scottish yeah, yeah. accent until I went to school. And then, and then it sort of... And, to the point where teachers commented on it when my mum and dad would go into um <laughs> would, would go into parents teachers they're like they're really nice kids but we can't quite work out <laughs> they've been here for a while <laughs> really good. um and um, i never felt anything other than scottish it never felt like a contradiction being in england i think maybe growing up in we, we weren't in we're not really liverpool we're sort of half an hour away um mm. we're wolves but um, <laughs> but if if um if I think because of where we grew up and because Liverpool doesn't really identify with England much a lot of it a lot of Liverpool doesn't identify with most of England yeah, anyway true, I yeah. think there there is there was that sense of feeling kind of separate so I think I felt more part of my town and my city 
than I did part of the country as a, as a whole. Mm. So it never felt strange to feel Scottish and not particularly English because I don't think um, I went to school with the kind of people that were English in the sense that I think of as being typically English, which is what I really don't identify with. Yeah. Um, which is that it, it's quite a southern thing, I think, or maybe southern thing, and maybe there's a, a hint of Yorkshire in it as well. That's my that's my sort of my mental sort of picture of what Englishness is, which is mostly home counties with a dash of Yorkshire. <laughs> that's yeah. that's how it kind of works out. And I know that's I know that's not right, and I know that's oversimplified, but it's but it, that's my perception of of what or, or not my perception, but that's my. I don't know, that's what I feel I would have to identify with if I felt English. Remember eight years ago, John Major made that speech about warm beer and yeah. village cricket or something. Mm. And I remember thinking, I have, no, I have no experience of that whatsoever. And I, think, I don't even think he described Englishness. He talked about Britishness as being warm beer and village cricket. And I'm like, what, I, who has that? Like a tiny percentage of the population identifies it's, that. It's and I, I never even really. felt... Yeah, and it, and it's but it's but it's not even southern cities. No, like people in no. London don't grow up with warm beer and village yeah, yeah, cricket. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. you know it's it's also um, so home countiness, I guess, if anything. So it is a real home countiness, yeah. and it's um, it's also that thing of um, I, I think probably I never I never really identified with any sort of um, idea of that until the twenty twelve Olympics when Danny Boyle did that amazing opening mm. ceremony and it had yeah. fools and horses in and Bowie and it was and I thought no I know that that I can that resonates with me but no other kind of image of what that was ever ever sort of resonated with me and then the, the football side was just a kind of um it was a part of that like I just grew up thinking that I, I grew up wanting Scotland to win games and grew up wanting England to lose games that's just how I was brought up I didn't realize until I studied it at school we went in and they were talking about Elizabeth the first and there was this good Queen Bess thing. And I remember being utterly bewildered because I'd grown up that Mary Queen of Scots was the heroine yeah, and, yeah. and <laughs> Elizabeth, Elizabeth was the baddie. And yeah, I was like, yeah. I remember being absolutely confused and going home and saying, I, I don't understand. Is, is this the same thing? Is this yeah. kind of the, I don't mean we talked about historical figures a lot, but, <laughs> but it was, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was just, it's one of those things that just kind of seeped into my consciousness that really confused me. God, I love that history chat around the Dalglish <laughs> Yeah, it, it does make it sound as though we kind of went through kings and queens. The Tudors and the Scots. Yeah, <laughs> we really, really didn't. And I don't know how and why that went in. But I remember being really confused when, yeah. when we learned about that. Really I guess strange. you get, yeah. I guess you get whatever country you are. You get diff, you get taught the same history from the different angle, don't you? So the goodies yeah. are the baddies for a different country. That just makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did the Scottish accent completely disappear? Was there a single moment you went, "Hang on, I don't speak sound Scottish anymore"? Did someone comment? No, because I don't. I don't remember having a Scottish yeah, accent. Of course, you wouldn't do that. I don't. I don't remember. And then, and then, even going into school, I don't remember being thought of as having a Scottish accent and that story's come from like my parents that's not okay. it's not something that I remember but then I did go back to university um I w went to Glasgow uni and I didn't realize that I picked up the accent really quickly when I was there yeah. and it wasn't I heard myself on someone's answering machine, answering <laughs> machine. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be such a retro chat um, <laughs> yeah. I heard my voice on someone else's answering machine and I genuinely didn't recognize myself 
because because uh, I had this kind of it wasn't not strong I wasn't kind of you know going around like Mary Doll or whatever but I yeah. but I did there was a definite definite Glasgow accent in there that makes sense I guess you're going back and it's just yeah there, and it's just yeah absolutely makes yeah sense. um so so your dad made his his Scotland debut in 1971 in Euro 72 qualifier against Belgium at Pitordry and then he played at the 74 World Cup now obviously uh, that was before you were born um and then he played in 78 when you would have been two, almost three yeah. years old. I mean, what are your early memories of watching him play? And does then seeing your dad play for Scotland absolutely nail down the fact you support Scotland? There's no chance of going <laughs> by the fact you're growing up south of the border. Yeah, but I don't, I, I kind of, I, re, I remember him going away and going off to like a World Cup or going off like with Scotland. And, and um, I remember that. I don't remember individual games really. I do remember we had um <laughs> I do remember we had an Argentina seventy eight beach towel <laughs> that was in our airing cupboard. Wow. And this Argentina seventy eight towel would come out. We had that for years. My mum's gonna kill me. <laughs> so she's a slatternly housewife. But um <laughs> she had this yeah, we, we had this Argentina beach. So I remember I remember talk around Argentina seventy eight because of because it, we had this beach towel for years afterwards. Yeah. Um, no, did he, did, he, did your dad bring that back from the World Cup? Is that a... he might well he must have done. God, he must have amazing. done. You yeah. still got that? No, oh. no, no. It disappeared. Now. She's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, um, we. I don't know where that. I don't know where that ended up. <laughs> but I just, I, I, it's one of those things that I just every time, and it's a, it's a weird thing. I'm very um, visual in my memories, and it's one of those things that every time anybody mentions Argentina, sent it, like people who were around and old enough to remember them all going off on the bus parade, and obviously yeah, I've seen yeah. the pictures now of. You know, Ali's army going off and doing whatever. But I'd still, in my head, I always get a little kind of floating image of, yeah, of yeah. the Argentina 78 beach town. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, 82, so your dad played three World Cups, 74, 78, yeah. 82. Obviously, the first two, you're very young. 82, you're... Yeah. 80, I, rem I remember I 82, uh, but not really, for, not really for Scotland. Scotland always got knocked out in the group stages. It was yeah. never really big sort of, you know, events and in that, in that, in that sense. Mm. And I think a lot of the, the players' families were, were sort of banking on that for school holidays and things. Because <laughs> they'd be like, get back, then we'll do the... <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't know if they, I don't know if they ever had those conversations yeah. with the players where they're like, look, um, <laughs> we, we've booked a holiday. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I think uh, 82, 82, I remember as a World Cup. I don't have... Memories of games. I remember sort of names and Zico, and that Zico is the one I remember. Yeah. And my brother had a lisp in '82, and um, he so he used to go around talking about Zico because <laughs> he was really <laughs> and he was like, oh, he's just amazing. Zico's just amazing. <laughs> and it was like, and I, I, that again, it's like I have World Cups are funny things. I think you don't. It's I even now working on World Cups. I very, very, very rarely have it's associated with a game for me or it's associated okay. with a moment it's there's all kinds of stuff that goes on at world cups that is um that is that is just not to do with the football yeah. that all those memories and those experiences yeah, are yeah. really different um and i think that that's when you when you were saying come on and, and talk about scotland and i was thinking I, I don't know i don't remember you know people talk about this goal this game whatever it it's not that it's a it's a, a feeling or it's it's a succession of of sort of moments, I think yeah. that that kind of sum up international football for me. I experience international football in a <laughs> sound like I'm having therapy now, but I experience <laughs> international football in a in a completely different way from how I experience club football. 
like it, it is just it's kind of um it the, the analysis isn't the point of it for me it's a it's a purely and football is emotional anyway but international football for me is a purely emotional thing it's about capturing the sort of mood of a nation and that sort of it just it feels like it that even when we were in moscow <clears throat> for the last world cup watching the scenes of england fans kind of having those huge parties which now seems extraordinary you know all those people yeah. kind of bundled into a tight space and and celebrating it and and even even being there and going out into the streets when russia beats spain i think it was and everybody's out on the streets and i couldn't get to the studio i'm sort of walking through the studio phoning the phoning <laughs> the office being like i'm i'm gonna be there in time but i'm gonna be really late because i cannot and trying to send back videos to prove i wasn't lying <laughs> like, they've taken to the streets of moscow yeah. and i literally cannot get through this crowd um and it's things like that that i i remember um from from games and from things like that and i never i never really went to scotland games i went to one dad got his hundredth cap and i went to that one we all went up for that but i never really went to scotland games because it'd be traveling to glasgow and it would be midweeks and or it would be a world cup that was away or it would be so so we never really went to them so it, it was yeah it was football that happened on the telly and all i really cared about was did they win it, it was a really kind of binary thing yeah well, i was going to ask you that i wondered if if scotland um games at hamden games back in scotland gave you a chance to go back there so if if, if scotland were playing at hamden in a friendly or a qualifying your dad was playing would the family go up to then reconnect with Scotland, but you're saying that didn't happen. No, no. If we no, when we were, when we went back, it was always to go and go and see family, and it was around different things. But you know, I I have I have been to games at Hamden, but it was later on that I that I went up for games there, and um, we were at the. In fact, it was the it was the same trio. It was me, Pat, and Roddy were at the um, two two the in what was that 2017, which was the the qualifier between Scotland and England, and it had those late goals in it. Oh, so I think it was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then there were two yeah. late, two le yeah. late Lee Griffiths goals, mm. and we thought we'd won it. And then you talk about Twitter. There's one of us in the stands, and it's me, Roddy, and Pat all hugging each other, like falling yeah. over each other at two one. And then of course Harry Kane got the equaliser. But um, but yeah, so I had I have been to games at Hampden, and I have been part of it. And I was up for the oh, what was the game? I can't remember. And it was a I was up. I was working at something. It was when God, it was that two thousand and six. No, 2007, because they did it twice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to come on to this later. The, the, the double oh, uh, were we? win over France, yeah, and qualified. Oh, well, do, we, can, we can come on to that later. No, well, but the point was, it was the winner around France, but there was a game against Italy round about then as well. Yeah. And and it was about, it, it, and it was all about qualifying. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember being up and listening to the, the radio. I was working on something else, but I was listening to the radio and just how much how much of like the the radio was given over to building up to this huge game and this huge event and having to kind of leave a hotel room to go down to work to go and do and i'm like yeah. no i don't want it and, and sort of follow it trying to follow it on my phone the whole night and just it's yeah it it's different it's just you know you, it when if you're in scotland at the time of these internationals it's impossible to kind of overstate how huge they are like everything that like even kind of music radio stations are, are sort of given over like huge long 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 kind of phone-ins about it and yeah just it's very exciting <laughs> i mean listening to you speak it sounds like scotland and the scottish national team and everything around it really touches something very deep inside you and i'm wondering how much of that is because 
you have grown up in England. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a way for you to, maybe this, there's like a homesickness there that you're not even aware of because obviously you only moved when you were two, but it, it just allows you to really reconnect with the country for your birth. And maybe you perhaps wouldn't feel this way if you just grew up in Scotland around Scots all the time. Yeah, I think I think I probably I think I would. I definitely I, I think I would. Um, but I there is there is definitely a part of me that feels like a bit of a fraud because you know we all moved away when I was only two and I don't sound Scottish and I don't and I feel like I do have to justify it and I'm like I'm like no I the people sort of say oh do you support Scotland I'm like no but I am Scottish. There's exactly. no kind yeah, of yeah. there's no sort of choice involved in this. This isn't this is this is just part of who I am and. Um, and they're, and they're like, yeah, but you know, is, is your mum? I'm like, yes, my mum's Scottish, and I was born in Glasgow. And there's, you know, it's not none. I, I tick all the boxes. It's yeah. not, you know, I'm not, I'm not piggybacking. God, if I was going to piggyback, I'd pick, <laughs> I'd pick something more successful. But, um, pick but a yeah, much better team, yeah. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's um, but even even things like watching the Scotland players celebrating afterwards. It just like even doing the conga, the David Marshall conga, <laughs> and thinking, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that absolutely seems like something I would do. That kind of <laughs> that, but it just, I don't know. It just all feels really familiar. It's really striking. You say you, you feel like, or you have felt like a fraud, given who your dad is more than anything. That's a, for me. That's really striking. You say you genuinely feel like that, do you? In terms of well, no, I, I think not. Not yeah, not in a not in a in a strong way, but I do feel like I have to sort of justify it a bit. Okay. And and I, and I think that the thing with 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 my dad is that I I do keep it very separate. Like I don't sort of think of his um his work as having a bearing on me in that in that sense. I kind of don't link them to the point where I think when I was younger, I kind of I almost sort of tried to distance myself from it a bit sort of in, in my head really as much as anywhere else but then you know you kind of learn to be separately together if that makes yeah. sense so I can kind of I, I can kind of mix it all up in my head together and it makes sense to me now but it felt like I couldn't um I couldn't really carve out my own career unless I kind of put his to mm. to one side otherwise it would again it would just be like a piggybacking thing well I just meant by association I mean how you know, how, but it's how part you, of all of that but, it, yeah. but it's, it's it's all part of the same it's all part of the same thing that people sort of go oh well, yeah i suppose you do support scotland because you're dad and i'm like no 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 i support scotland because I'm, I'm scottish i get it yeah, yeah. no that yeah. makes perfect sense yeah okay so i know you say you don't remember many games um at all but can, yeah. is there a is there a first memory of a game that you felt really emotionally invested in even if you don't remember the result or the specific details you just remember a game really making you feel something I don't, I really, really don't remember sort of individual games because, yeah. because it just, I don't, there aren't really individual games. I remember, I remember dad getting his, his hundredth cap. I remember that one. So, but I'd be a bit older then. I wasn't, I wasn't very young at that one. Um, and Franz Beckenbauer gave him the little sort of gold cap in a presentation oh, and wow. that kind of thing and, and being at Hamden and, and that was really amazing. And, um, I just, I, I'm trying to think, I remember, but then, but then it's, it's games that much later on that are the ones that stick, like the, the qualifiers in Euro 96, like playing against England. Cause of course the home nations games used to happen all the time. Sure. And, yeah. and it was, a, it, they felt really, but, but that one kept, felt so special because it, it had been so long and yeah. it was this real sort of opportunity. Of course we're going to get it again in the same world cup yeah. group. Um, but yeah, it was, um, 
the same Euros group. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was the the what the Euro '96 games were massive because it was because it was playing England. Um, it was a Scotland game against Wales at Anfield as well. That I seem to I remember happening. I remember happening. And I always remember my dad talking about it because he was like, "We went." They, he said, "It's the only time I've ever been in the away dressing rooms." Oh, awesome. yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was like, "Oh, super!" <laughs> but then it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> like it is now. I don't think the dressing rooms were that different in those days. Uh, <laughs> they were all just kind of a square box with benches around the outside. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, not there isn't anything that I remember really, really standing out. I'm trying. I'm going ahead to World Cups and things, and like, I'm thinking of '86 and. Going over, going over to Mexico and that kind of thing, and it, and then, and then, and then, and then he wasn't really involved. At eighty six was probably the last one he was involved in. So then it was all kind yeah. of yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, because I've done my research, I'm going to use it. Uh, let's go yeah. to Scotland's kind of record. Uh, okay, might and that might, that might spike. Yeah, yeah. So I did so, go through, but yeah. Well, I've gone from seventy eight, so that's the first tournament. When, okay, when, when so you're I don't alive. remember seventy eight. Yeah. yeah. So I don't 70, remember seventy eight apart from the beach towel. Apart from the beach towel, yeah, which I really hope your mum still got somewhere because it sounds amazing. <laughs> I want to see a photograph of it. Uh, so 78 World Cup, obviously, that's uh, in Argentina. Ali McLeod, the manager, obviously famously, yeah. huge build-up to Scotland going out there. He said the team would come back with a medal. They got the massive send-off and then um, didn't do very well. Lost to Peru no. 3-1, drew one all with yes. Iran. Beat Holland. The <laughs> all the big boys. <laughs> all the big boys. Well, actually, beat the biggest team they group, the, the famous yeah. you know, got, uh, over the Netherlands, the famous Archie yeah. Gemmel yeah. goal, obviously, and your dad scored in that game as well. But uh, they had to win that game by two clear goals. They didn't manage it, so they went out at the group stages. And this is going to be a recurring theme. 82 <laughs> World Cup uh, in Spain. Jock Steen's the manager now. Beat New Zealand 5-2. Yeah. Dad scored in that game as well. Then uh, yeah. lost 4-1 to Brazil. Uh, and drew 2-2 with yeah. the USSR. Again, went out of the group stages. 1986 <laughs> World Cup in Mexico. Um, Jock Steams, he sadly passed away just before the tournament started. Alex Ferguson, yeah, I remember that. lost to Denmark and West Germany. Drew 0-0 with Uruguay. Went out at the group stages. 1990 World Cup Italy. Uh, Andy Roxburgh is the manager now. Lost 1-0 to Costa Rica. I think that's my first memory of watching Scotland play. I just really remember that game. I was eight at the time. It's my first World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite strong memories Costa of that Rica, game. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. Not not a good not a good result. No. Bit of a, bit of a Do you understand why why there aren't these aren't too many yeah. <laughs> stellar memories? That when when I go through them, it's just kind of all passes in a blur and yeah. that kind well, of <laughs> going through all this like i obviously know growing up from, from watching football in the late 80s onwards that scotland's record international tournaments wasn't great but i'll be honest didn't realize how grim it was yeah. um, <laughs> so, just to go so yeah so lost to costa rica opening game the 99 world cup in italy beats uh, then beat sweden 2-1 lost to brazil 1-0 again out in the group stages Euro 92, the tournament nobody, nobody remembers it sort of happened and no. came and went and nobody ever talks about it oh no i no, Euro 92 is that the one that denmark won yeah. Yeah, see, I, I feel like I've got like a random memory of it, and I don't know why. Did there was a big thing about that like Denmark, so. Was there a beach towel involved? <laughs> I've got no idea. But the Euro really? for some reason, you say nobody remembers Euro 92. I've got a really, like, I feel like that, that I had some kind of affinity with that Denmark. I feel like it was, really? um, yeah, I don't, yeah. yes, I have no idea why. I just remember thinking, oh, that Denmark team's really <laughs> Don't know why. Well, that's the only it's thing really, I remember. Is Denmark I remember, won it, I but no one remembers the yeah. details of it. I don't really remember the oh, details. Oh God, no, I don't remember the details of it. I don't remember the details of it. No, yeah. but it's interesting
Jock Steen. I watched the game where he collapsed on the sidelines. I watched the, and, and I, against Wales, wasn't it? When Scotland's yeah. qualification for the tournament, yeah. And I and I, I watched it and I and I remember I remember sitting down in front of that because we we were quite friendly, my brother and I were quite friendly with um Jock's grandson, John, who used right. to live near my grandparents. And um and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't this this will be a, when we come on to the team a bit later on this will be a sort of recurring theme but it wasn't like a oh you know jockstein it was jockstein the scotland manager it was well john's papa's like that's him and kind oh, of you right. know so it was that it was a it yeah. was a different a different sort of thing so we we definitely watched the games so because I, I remember it i remember watching it and i remember that happening Celebrations are more with Scotland than anybody else. Jock Steen being carried off there. Maybe Jock has been overcome by it all. It looked to me as though Jock Steen was being carried off there by the police. Maybe but it's been a night of fantastic tension. I mean, the, the excitement for for people who are not committed to the game has, has been tremendous. So for somebody such as the manager, uh, tremendous strain on them. So Scotland have come and have achieved really what they wanted to achieve, not to be beaten. And the joy amongst the ranks of their supporters, you can see for yourself. Jock's in the figure then you have memories of from a personal point of view as well. It's such yeah, a no, well, because, figure, isn't it, in Scottish football history. Well, yes, because, because everybody sort of associates my dad with the sort of footballing side of things, but my mum's dad had a restaurant near uh, Celtic Park, near Parkhead, in um, in this in the 60s. And Jock Steen and all that team of the Lisbon Lions, they always wow. used to go there and they'd go and eat after training things. So a lot of the, the Lisbon Lions were my grandparents' friends. So my mum knew them all. Like oh, they, wow. My mum knew Alex Ferguson before my dad did because he oh, really? knew my grandpa. Yeah, so he knew yeah. my grandpa. And my mum used to work in there as a waitress. That's how my mum and dad met. But they, they, my mum used to work in there as a waitress. So all those kind of that generation of of player and the Celtic players in particular, mm. they were like my mum's family friends okay. rather than like people that. But then my dad had gone in as a kid, so all that generation they were all and famously all grew up, you know, mm. in a stone's throw of, of the ground. But my my they they were people that my mum knew before my dad did. And then when my dad went in as a as a young player at Celtic, they were like people he couldn't really talk to they you know it was yeah. he, he was he was sort of he was like billy mcneil was a you know one of the grown-ups and my dad was yeah. a kid whereas my mum knew him as uncle billy and aunt liz that was kind of wow that was who they were yeah so it's so although people think think it's all that the association is through my dad it's not really it's through my mum and and through my mum's dad through my grandpa is that restaurant still there uh i think it's still there in a different kind of capacity yeah. i think it's just it's not it's not the way that it the way that it was when he was there but yeah it's 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 different um but yeah that was that was all that and they used to come around sort of after hours and he cooked them up a steak in the back in the back and just oh, kind of yeah that must yeah. be such an so amazing that, place to be in that in that period in, in the late 60s yeah yeah all those yeah. They, were, they just through, yeah. the stories i mean it's just yeah. you really you'd, you'd need my grandpa to be allowed to tell you the stories because he had he had all the, yeah. <laughs> all the stories and and probably a few that he wouldn't tell as well so it was it was um that's kind of how so my mum grew up around that that mm. was her 
that was her thing. And when she got together with my dad, um, her dad, famously, not famously, but in our family, <laughs> in our family, her dad said, um, her dad was like, it'll never last. She's not got the temperament to marry a footballer. <laughs> Brilliant. And now sort of like nearly 50 years later. Yeah, yeah. She turns out she actually turns out, and my mum keeps saying, she went, do you know, I haven't got the temperament to marry a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> and I still haven't got the temperament to marry a footballer. <laughs> I'm just hanging in there for dear life. Yeah. So that's where, yeah, your, exactly. that's where your parents met in that, in that restaurant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. God, what yeah, institution, what a Celtic institution that restaurant is. What it was, yeah, they'd yeah. all just, they'd all pile around in their cars after training. Beautiful. Well, let's go back to more depressing stuff. Let's finish this Scotland. Yes, yeah, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. No, absolutely fine. So where are we? I think you and I too. So, um, yeah, the tournament, you seem to remember yeah. it. I don't. Uh, so Andy Ross <laughs> was still the manager. Lost the Netherlands 1-0, yeah. lost 2-0 to Germany, beat the CIS, remember them, in the early 90s, 3-0. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As a throwback uh, geographical reference. Again, out in the group stages. Then Euro 96, which we'll come back on to in a bit more detail. Yeah. Uh, but Craig Brown was the manager. Drew 0 nil with the Netherlands. Lost, obviously, 2-0 to England at Wembley. Beat Switzerland 1-0. Mm. Again, though, went out in the group stages. Uh, this time on goal difference. And in the final tournament, Scotland played, obviously, up until what's going to happen next summer, the World Cup in France in 98. Craig Brown, the manager... Lost 2-1 to Brazil in the opening game. Drew 1-all with yeah. Norway. Lost Scored first, though. Scored first. Against Norway? No, against Brazil, didn't we? Against Brazil. I think, no, I think John Collins. Or was it, no, equalised. Equalised, yeah. Yeah, Brazil. Oh, yeah, England. it was. It was John Collins. It was. It was a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, equalised. And Tom yeah. on goal, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was getting <laughs> literally crumbs. Crumbs I'm looking for here. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And then the last yeah. ever game, well, not last ever game, obviously, the last international tournament game Scotland played up until the game they will play next summer was a 3-0 defeat to Morocco on the 23rd of June, 1998. So a lot of groups, well, all group stage exits there. Um, not a great record, but yeah, let's, I want to talk about Euro 96. It's a tournament I have a huge amount of fondness for. Um, I went to Wembley. For, I was at Wembley for the England-Scotland game. I was 15 at the time. I grew up in Wembley, so it was just a magical time. Oh, for my me. God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was just in the, you know, I was in the heart of yeah. this fantastic tournament. The sun was wow. out that day. That's how I remember it every day. Anyway, yeah. um, you, you touched on it earlier. Were you at the game, or what's your memories of the no. Scotland game? No, I wasn't at the game. I watched it on television, and it was the... I mean, we, we are talking about the... Hang on. We're not talking... We're talking about... The Paul Gascoigne one, aren't we? Yeah. And it's just that. Oh, I, I just, I just remember being so um, like optimistic, like which is very strange for me. I, like it isn't really how I go into it. It was I really genuinely thought that there was a chance Scotland could do something. It just felt like one of those, like you said, it did feel like a bit of a magical summer, didn't it? Just where where everything could happen. Summer, summer nights, nice. and it's it was yeah. And I, yeah, and I just. I, I'm trying to think that was my GCSE summer so I think I'm just a bit just a year or two older than you and it was that mm. it was that um it was my GCSE summer and I'm I just remember it being on like that tournament just being on all around the house and kind of but I remember watching that Scotland just that gather goal and that thing of <laughs> thing of just kind of thinking it's brilliant but you don't register like I'm probably I was probably the only person living in England at the time who didn't register how brilliant that goal was because I was so sick mm. I was just like just yeah it wasn't but it but it did feel like it was it was a really it did feel like it could be a really happy time it felt like it I think that was why it was such a why it was such a downer because I did feel as though Scotland had a real chance to win that yeah well I mean I they, don't know they, why 
I think it's realistic. I mean, they Scotland had drawn nil nil with Holland in their opening group game, while England yep. drawn one all with Switzerland. So Scotland are going into it. Yes, that's right. Because England were rubbish. They looked terrible in the first game. That's exactly it. And they were terrible up until half time in that England game. It was when Terry Venables made a switch. He brought um, Jamie Redknapp on at half time, and that really changed the game. Yeah. And then England scored. Because every, didn't everybody watch? Everybody rewatched the switch the Switzerland game during lockdown. And everybody was like, "Why did he not make any substitutions?" Yeah. They would say everybody was just watching the switch, and then you're right. It was the Scotland game that he did, yeah. Yeah, he brought Redknapp on at half-time, changed it tactically, and, and then those, those two goals. Happy Jamie uh, Redknapp. <laughs> Redknapp. Yeah, stuff him. Uh, no, um, but yeah, no, Scotland had a good team as well. Lots of very good players, obviously, likes of um, yeah. Gary McAllister, obviously famous missed the penalty with Colin Henry, Andy yes. Williams, and many others. So was it, that was the, yeah, boy, he missed the penalty because Uri Geller said that he, yeah. <laughs> he'd stood in front of his television set to make it work. And Uri Geller had the bloody cheat to say he was responsible for Scotland's win against Serbia a few weeks ago. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody was having that. No. Listen, listen, we might not remember the, I might not remember the games. We've got long memories for things like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Screw Scotland over in 1996 and apparently helps them in 2020. I'm not having it whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but that period, so yeah, you're, obviously that's a period where you're sort of growing up and you went back to, as you went to university in Glasgow. Um, so that yeah. would be in the 90s as well. I mean, the 90s is actually in relative terms a bit, a bit of a golden period for Scotland. They qualified for four tournaments in that decade. Um, yeah, yeah. Back in Scotland. Well, that just a generally then quite a happy Yeah, but you say golden. that, but, it, but it's, only, it's only golden in hindsight because, because yeah. and that's it. It's like you qualify for tournaments and then the group stages kind of pass by in a bit of a blur. And then you always remember the sort of knockout games. And then yeah. it's like, oh, oh, we weren't really in the knockout games <laughs> and didn't realise how much of a bonus it was just to be in the, just to be in the, in, in the tournament. And now I think going to the, the Euros is going to feel like, you know, that, that it is appreciated, that you do appreciate yeah. what, it, what it takes to qualify for these, for these big tournaments. No, it's a very valid point. I mean, Scotland's qualifying record uh, for decades was fantastic, as you say. It was, yeah. We got there. It wasn't great, which actually then takes us to the uh, the noughties, actually, where you touched on this earlier. I mean, it's a, a lot of poor results, a lot of heartbreak, a lot hang of on, Hang on, are we not doing Don Hutchison's goal in the 1999 game at Wembley? I oh, can talk about that if you want, yeah, yeah. The last the, ever old firm game at Wembley. Yeah, so, that, so, what's, yeah, so that's obviously the qualifiers for Euro 2000. Scotland, I think, lost 2-0 yeah. at Hamden. Lost 2-0, it was the other one was 2-0, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. lost 1-0 one, one in the return at Wembley. And Scotland yeah. was a better team that night. I mean, yeah, what's your memories of that going? Oh no! Only oh, it was that was it. That was it. Was <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I think. I think. But I do think that that year it's kind of. I remember. I just only because Hutch never shut us up about that goal. <laughs> but the, but the um the the reason that I the reason that I, that I remember that one as well is because I was working at Sky by then, and um Sky Sports News, the um they used to do that big shot that came right down over the studio, came right from the back of the studio all the way through. So you. You sort of filmed the presenters from behind and then came round and then it cut to them at the front. Okay. And I wore a Scotland shirt at seven o'clock in the morning, <laughs> which I'm st which that one I have still got <laughs> with, with Dalgleish at the back before I, yeah. before I got married and changed my name. But it, um, Dalgleish seven shirt and it came over and I had to take it off because um, it was an Umbro shirt and the program was sponsored by Nike. <laughs> really? The program yeah, was sponsored by Nike. The program was sponsored by Nike, right. I think. 
it was something to do with that. I don't really okay. know. It was some kind of weird sponsorship thing, but that was the that was the issue around it. Yeah. So that but shirt was so never got on air. Then that shirt was never on no. air. Oh, no, no, no. It did. It went on air at seven o'clock, but yeah. then I had to take it off in the oh, next break. Oh, <laughs> yeah. fantastic! Oh, brilliant! I might try and dig that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so as you said, that was a lot. I mean, Scotland. I remember watching. That. I was at university, I think, and I really, yeah, Scotland absolutely deserved to. to I don't know about deserve to go through, but they were definitely the better team at Wembley. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. They probably yeah. deserve taking them to extra time. But they went out two on aggregate. Daly. Just an arm raise for a cross. Daly tries to tread a pass, and he's done a fine one for Neil McCann. Hutchison! Scotland have scored! Oh, what a ball from Neil McCann. And I'll tell you what, Mark, the one player in the Scottish attacking six players that you'd have wanted on the end of it is that man there. He took a chance of playing with his borderline, he played right along the line, but he timed his run beautifully. He wasn't rushed, deliberate with a cross. David Seaman almost stops him, but look at Hutchison up early, up above Tony Adams. Oh, that's a great ball, a great header, a great leap to beat someone like Adams. And it's a great moment for Scotland. And for Craig Brown, who's pushed the man who played in midfield on Saturday further forward tonight. The deficit is halved. That then takes us into the noughties. And obviously since then, there's been no obviously qualification for any tournaments. There's been a lot of heartbreak, a lot of managers. I didn't realise how many managers Scotland have had since... 2002, Bertie yeah. Vox, Walter Smith, Alex McLeish twice, George Burley, Craig Levine and Gordon Strachan and obviously now Steve Clark who's finally got Scotland um, over the line and I'm just wondering again going back to your sort of relationship with Scotland being down south how you've kind of got through that period has it do you think it's been easier not being in Scotland while it's all been not very good or do you think actually being surrounded by horrible English people at the time has made it a bit worse? No I think it because <clears throat> because English people don't talk about Scottish people very much. Certainly not <laughs> as much as happens. Certainly not as much as happens the other way. Yeah. Um, but I just think that um, it's it has been a bit easier because you can just kind of dip in and enjoy the good bits, and you can kind of use it as a sort of pick and mix. And then you know some of the the sort of you know if it's a, a boring friendly or whatever, you don't really care very much. You can kind of withdraw a little bit and be like, well, you know sort of happening over there and also because since I started work the emphasis is always what wherever I've worked has always been on the England game so you kind of find yourself sort of in the in this kind of bubble this England bubble so the Scotland stuff is kind of an escape really it's like a way of of for me anyway of just kind of in like enjoying it if it goes well but if if it doesn't go too well I'm just kind of on the fringes it's not too bad <laughs> it's not not too bitter a blow I mean, well, I said some high, high points you touched on it earlier. There was, I think, a win against Italy. I think the qualification campaign for Euro 2008 was as good as it has got in that period. Yeah. In that period. There were two but wins just against look France at that. as well. That's exactly what is, that is, that is just supporting Scotland. You get these great moments and then you go, oh, it never really quite came to anything. Yeah, yeah, and that team was, that team was really good fun to watch as well. You know, it's just because you just felt, I, th- I think there is there is something in in the Scotland team. You do I know I know there's a lot of players who've had really successful times for their clubs that haven't quite done it on the on the you know for for Scotland, and they get a lot of stick from from Scotland fans. But 
I think that as a as a collector, I think that the balance in that is you get players who aren't doing as well, who's actually their performance gets lifted. Mm. So I think you need to have that kind of yeah, yeah. that kind of seesaw. Yeah, as yeah, I mean that those those wins against Italy and France that was under Alex McLeish's first team. Yeah, uh, it was a famous one nil away to France, uh, win away yeah. to France in September two thousand seven, and yeah. uh, that was a good team, as you said. And James McFadden scored that night and was part of that yeah. team, and it was uh, yeah. They were unlucky that year as well. Um, just moving slightly away from the national team, I, I was, in preparation for this, I was intrigued by your broadcasting career in relation to Scotland. And, how, and if, yeah. if you comment, uh, presented any, apart from the Serbia game, obviously, recently, on, on any famous Scotland games. And something that came up, um, and there's loads of clips on YouTube of this, do you remember presenting uh, Couched Off the... I'm going to say this properly. <laughs> off Please, the, coach. Coached off, coached the, couch. off the couch. That's right. <laughs> so, let me say that. Yeah. Do you remember presenting coached off the couch? Yes, I do. Do you want to explain what yes, it was? It looks like quite an unusual was, TV show. It was an STV show um, yeah. that was about. Um, it was it, the aim of it was to get people up and about and moving and and not just kind of sitting down and watching telly. But they put it on telly anyway. <laughs> um, but it was. But it was actually I loved working on that we went all over scotland and met up with different families or groups of people or couples or um, workmates whatever they were and went and tried out loads of different sports with them and we ended up like um surfing off the northeast coast of scotland and wow. doing well i say surfing i was very much sort of paddling <laughs> but um but it was brilliant. We had such a brilliant, brilliant time doing that and trying out loads of different things. Was it like a government-funded thing? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I yeah. think there was government money in it. It was one of those kind of healthy things. But they all, everybody, pretty much everybody seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah. No, excellent. Yeah. As I said, there are loads of clips on YouTube of it. It's just seems to be there are, but <laughs> <laughs> There are. There are. And thank you for flagging that up. <laughs> no, it's great. It's really interesting. As you said, it's... A genuinely well-meaning show to try and help people get healthy it's, it's fascinating yeah um and the other thing i've got to ask I really you enjoy about, it, but i'm also i don't i don't play any of those that's the thing. <laughs> it was quite nice because i don't do any of those things it was quite nice because i was going along and learning with them yeah, and then yeah. they had me up a climbing wall i'm terrified of heights and then there's, there's this little girl kind of going flying up the wall and i'm going i'll just do two i'll just do two levels <laughs> <laughs> so i'm panicking Excellent. like mad did you pick up any sports on the back of doing it? Was there anything you um, no? Took up I did. But I bought no, but I bought a bike, and oh. I, and I I don't so I don't I don't cycle for sport, but I I sort yeah. of cycle around a bit if the weather's nice and if I can be bothered to get the bike out. <laughs> that came from doing but that. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I've got to ask you about it's on Wikipedia, and I just want to double check it's true. Did you present the news on the biggest breakfast ever, the eight-hour Millennium Special I did. Uh, that the Big Breakfast did on the first of January two thousand? Yeah. What's that like? Was that? Did you work for the entire eight hours? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just through the night. Well, I just kind of thought there was there was all that build up to, and I, I'm not really a massive New Year's Eve party person. I don't mm -hmm. really, and have never really enjoyed them. I don't, I don't mind them. I've never, I've never really. I've always, and apparently even as a baby, I've never missed a New Year. I would always <laughs> kind of be up and around about and yeah, sort. Yeah. But um, but I always I like house parties and I like sort of small New Year things. Um. And they offered, They said, we, would I go and do it? And I was like, yeah, actually, I think I would quite like that. I think I wanted to do something that was memorable for the millennium. And I was mm. like, if I just go to like a normal party, it's going to feel like a normal new year and yeah. I won't remember it the way I did. So, yeah, I went, I went to the, um, 
I went, I went and did eight hours of Big Brother. So I did, I did um, sort of, I think it was, was it hourly or half hourly news bulletins. But then it was really lovely because they kept beaming all the pictures in of everyone celebrating New Year and how they kind of brought New Year in right around the world. Yeah. It was it was really, really good fun. And then Lisa Tarbuck was on it. And in the middle of the whole thing, she's like, oh, when you used to come to Spain as a kid, I babysat for you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we like our parents knew each other. Yeah, and then like and she was yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And then and then she um, she's like, oh, yeah, I babysat for you. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I don't think she's that much older than me, so she can't have. Do you know what I mean? I maybe I yeah. must have been, I don't know, five, and she was maybe maybe fifteen at a push, something like that. I don't know. Oh, that's amazing. Was that at the Big Breakfast House, the famous Big Breakfast House? No, I was ungr- I thought it would be because yeah. I, I hadn't really kind of thought about it when I said yes. So I was in um, the ITM building, Grays and Road. That's oh, where it okay. was done from. But w- yeah. but that's the other thing as well. When it was midnight, we all went up onto the roof. And you've got the most amazing view. So mm. you could actually, you couldn't quite, I don't think you could see the river. In my, in my head, and I think it's a false memory, we could see the Thames. But we could definitely see the fireworks all going off along them. So when they did that yeah. huge kind of um, display, that was, yeah. that was there. And anyone under 30 uh, listening to this who's wondering what the big breakfast is, uh, Google it. Oh, yeah. It's basically the greatest yeah. TV show of all time. I loved it as a kid. I absolutely oh. adored it. Um, it was so good. Brilliant. Now, you referenced this earlier. You've come up with an all-time Scotland 11 for this podcast, which is great. We'll go through that shortly. Before we do that, though, it does feel only right that we reflect on your dad's achievements for Scotland because they really are extraordinary. So as I said, he played at three World Cups, 1974, 1978 and 1982, scoring against the Netherlands in 78 and against New Zealand in 82. He also scored against England at Hamden in 1976 and against them at Wembley in 77. In total then, 102 caps and 30 goals for Scotland, making the country's all-time caps holder and their joint top scorer, alongside Dennis Law. In 2004, he was also inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame. And in July this year, he was named Scotland's greatest international by Scotland fans. Um, Guessing Kelly, it's a huge understatement to say that's all a source of enormous pride to the family. Yeah, and I think for him as well. Mm. I think it's a a big part of of who he is. And I think... um, you know, when we, we go back to the Serbia game, he was like as delighted as anyone I know. He was mm. absolutely just beside himself with it. Him and my mum were just like all, and you just, you, I think, I think you, you, you underestimate what it means to people to pay, play for their country sometimes, I mm. think. And when, especially if they've had success as a cl- at their clubs, I think they think, well, you know, Scotland aren't going to do what Liverpool could do when he was there or what Celtic could do when he was there so but I but it really matters it's really really important and it's you know it's it's what he grew up watching would would be international football because mm-hmm. he'd be able to watch those ones as well yeah. you know my my grandpa would take my dad's that would he would my grandpa would take him to go and see um Rangers or you know go and do but they never went that I don't think they went that much so they, if they if they were going to watch something, then the the whole kind of um, the whole kind of um, excitement around an international match would be would be the thing that he he really looked forward to. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We associate him so much with Liverpool because of what he achieved there, and maybe that not diminishes his Scotland career, but just puts it in the shadow slightly. But as I've just read there, he achieved so much, and as you're saying, it obviously means it meant so much to him as well, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely did. And I think as well with um 
with Dennis Law as well because he I think when he equaled the um the goals tally or the you know Dennis Law's goal scoring record I think that was a big thing as well because Dennis Law was his hero when he was growing mm. up so that was kind of that was a, that was a huge thing for him Hundreds of players across generations have pulled on the famous dark blue of Scotland Thousands of fans have roared them on no matter what From heartbreaking to ground-shaking, through triumphs and tribulation, so many have played their part. But only one can be crowned our greatest. Dalgleish again, and it's there! Kenny Dalgleish was born on the 4th of March 1951 in the east end of Glasgow. He grew up dreaming to be a footballer. With his father Bill guiding him, Kenny's journey to greatness began. There were ups and downs early on, West Ham and Liverpool said no, but Kenny didn't give up. He was driven by a love of the game. There was no interest in fortune or fame. In 1967, Kenny signed a professional contract with Celtic at the age of 16. Success soon followed in the park and before long, his country came calling. Kenny's Scotland debut arrived at Pataudry coming off the bench in a Euro 1972 qualifier against Belgium, where Scotland won by a goal to nil. It took a year before he found the back of the net in a Scotland shirt though. It was in a 1974 World Cup qualifier. It was at Hamden, and it was the first of many. Kenny continued to turn up for his nation time and time again, and he made history in dark blue. With Spain traveling to Hamden for a World Cup qualifier, Kenny scored his 30th international goal in a 3-1 win. Dalgleish making the angle for the shot. Dalgleish makes it 3-1. A goal-scoring record he shares with Dennis Law to this day. In 2018, the boy from Glasgow was knighted for his services to football, charity and the city of Liverpool. A proud day for him, his wife Marina and their four children, Kelly, Paul, Lindsay and Lauren. Most capped Scotsman in history, King Kenny, I, th- I think he, he stands out there on his own. One of the greatest Scottish uh, football players, world football players. I know as a young kid, he was my hero. He was just the best player I've ever seen in my life. Hundreds of players across generations have pulled on the famous dark blue of Scotland. Thousands of fans have roared them on, no matter what. From heartbreaking to ground shaking, through triumphs and tribulation, so many have played their part. But only one can be crowned our greatest. Sir Kenny Dalgleish. His last game for Scotland was on the 2nd of November 1986, a 3-0 win against Luxembourg at Hampden Park. Do you have any memories of that game? Would you have gone no, to No, 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 no. I went to the 100th. I went, yeah. I went to the one where he got his cap. But, that, um, but that, that World Cup, the 86 World Cup, was all about, you know, and Alan Hansen didn't get picked for it. And it was all a little bit kind of, it was just all a bit flat, even, even ahead of that World Cup, because Liverpool had won the double and they were sort of getting ready to go over. and then. 
I think dad was a bit annoyed that, you know, a double winning captain wasn't picked to play for his country. Mm. And yeah. it just, yeah. So it was all, it was all felt a bit flat going into that 86 one. Kelly, you've been absolutely amazing. Before you go, uh, let's go through this all time Scotland 11 then. So normally when people do this um, for this podcast, they do uh, 11 plays they've actually seen. Uh, you pick <laughs> players, uh, you have no recollection of watching, but that's absolutely yep. fine because it's a great 11. It's full of some absolute superstars and legends of Scottish football. So let's go through it. Um, it's in 4-4-2 formation. David Marshall in goal. Back four. Yeah. Right can, can I qualify this before you go through it? <laughs> God, that yeah. that every, everybody is in this team pretty much for slightly sentimental reasons. So it's, right. it, there, are, there are stories to all the selections. This is not my greatest ever Scotland eleven. I mean, it's, not, it's not bad, but it's, and, and it's not far off that. But yeah. that's, that's not, that wasn't my criteria for this yeah. and I also have no idea how this would they would work as an 11 I'm not really sure but it's not it's not a bad team but it's, it's an just amazing a, team yeah well yeah. it works as an all-time 11 bar one selection which we'll uh, <laughs> come on to. Um, <laughs> but um no look, I'd love to hear your reasons for your picks as well so as it works in all-time 11 it obviously works for very personal reasons for you so um we'll go through all of that so yeah let's go through the team again 4-4-2 David Marshalling goal Back four from right to left, Danny McGrain, Billy McNeil, Alan Hansen and Andy Robertson. Midfield, right to left, Jimmy Johnson, Graeme Souness, Gorn Strachan and Jim Baxter. And up front, Dennis Law and Ali McCoist. Um, <laughs> my favourite thing about that team is uh, there's no obvious omissions, obviously. That's great. You've got everyone <laughs> in there. Should be in there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, do you want to talk about then? Uh, obviously, you said the sentimental reasons behind a lot yeah. of players. I mean, I should say there's three absolute Celtic legends in there in Billy McNeil, yeah. Danny McGrain, and Jimmy Johnson. You've got a couple of yeah. um, bona fide Rangers legends in there, and Jim Baxter yeah. and Adam McCoyce. Um, I'm absolutely delighted Andy Roberts is in there. He's in my all time Liverpool 11. I just absolutely adore him. So yeah. I'm glad he's in your Scotland 11. David Marshall, is he in there purely because of the save? Yep. And, and also his longevity, and for his longevity, and his longevity as well. Yeah. And Andy, Andy Gorham had a shout as well because I just, I just really warm to the goalie. I <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you, if your nickname's the goalie, you like that's you've established yourself then. But, but David Marshall purely for the uh, Serbia save and for longevity and for uh, the Conga. <laughs> the Conga. <laughs> but if you lead your, if you save a penalty. So that Scotland could qualify for the Euros, first major tournament since 1998, and then you lead your own conga. I think that gets you in any World Eleven. <laughs> you know what, Kelly? I think he's Scotland's greatest ever international. Listen, if they if they made, if they did that poll after this qualifier, <laughs> it would be a whole. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about any other? I mean, you said the sentimental reasons behind so, them. Or do you just want to talk through the team? So. Um, Danny McGraining and it is in there. Graham Stunis is in there. They're two of. There's another player who I can't remember at the moment. Dazed always says there's only like two or three genuinely world class players that he played. Of all the great players that he played with, there are two or three that that stand yeah. out. And Danny McGrain and and Graham Stunis are are two of those those players. Um, Billy McNeil, like I said, it's my mum's uncle Billy and Aunt Liz, and that's a, and um we like I I remember being it's um. Billy's son, Martin, I was at a Sky event when I first joined in like 1998, the first Christmas party. And some, <laughs> some strange man came up to me and said, I've got a picture of you naked. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's like, Jesus he's like, Christ. He's like, I've got a picture of you. But anyway, it turned out it was Billy's son, 
Martin McNeil, who has a picture of us as toddlers in a paddling pool, which is a completely very different story. I was just, but luckily, you know, I wasn't physically violent towards him, so it was okay. We stayed with him. Yeah. Um, Alan Hansen is in there, one, because he's brilliant, and like I said, double winning captain, all that kind of thing, and um, is also um, our neighbour, so it'd be nice, like my mum and dad's neighbour, so it'd be nice to bump into him. Family holidays, all that yeah, kind yeah, of thing, family, yeah, so yeah, I have yeah, to put yeah. him in. Andy Robertson, no explanation needed. That's just, he's just, he just want him. I just think he's the kind of player and the kind of personality as much as anything that you would want in your team. He just yeah. never stops. And it, apart, it even take the skill set out of it. Just that kind of constant niggling, energetic sort of presence is, is just fantastic. And, and I think he upsets opposition fans just enough. I think that's a really great quality to have yeah. i think the word you're looking for is shithouse and he's a <laughs> fantastic shithouse i absolutely love yes. Andy roberts i love him for being shithouse as much as for being a brilliant left back yeah i adore him exactly that um jimmy johnson is in because he's jinky johnson yeah. and because you just can't not and because i grew up hearing about him like i said with all those kind of great players and everything yeah. i kind of i can't um Graham Souness, like I said, is, is in there because Graham Souness. And also because I was his wingman when he first moved to Liverpool. He used to take me out in, his, in my pram oh, really? and push me around. Yeah, so that women would stop and say, oh, look at the baby. And he'd go, it's not mine. I'm single. They <laughs> 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 used you to pick up women. Amazing. Yeah, exactly like that when Goodness. I was very little. So, yeah, so that's <laughs> the case in there. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Strachan because he's Gordon Strachan and because yeah. he's brilliant and because he's in there. Uh, Jim Baxter is in for lots of reasons. The main one amongst them is doing the keepy uppies uh, on the touchline against England in 1967 when Scotland became world champions because they beat England. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Law is in there because he's my dad's hero and because he was brilliant. And then I put Ali in because I just love Ali McCoy. Everybody loves Ali McCoy. You can't, you can't not love Ali Such McCoy. Such a good comment. And then I should, I should, he's a, isn't he? Oh, and he's just, but he's also, he's always had that. Like, I don't know him well. I know him a little bit, but not very yeah. well. Um, but he's just one of these people that tells stories brilliantly. Yeah. And so, and he, he takes that into commentary. Some people, it doesn't translate. It becomes, it, it could very easily in the hands of someone else become like a bit of a, it, it could be, it could become a bit gimmicky or a bit silly or a bit, and he's not, he's just charming and entertaining yeah. and insightful. And he's just, he's a brilliant brilliant commentator i wouldn't really put him in i would really put my dad in the team <laughs> <laughs> don't say that don't say but that i know it, right. it was funnier i know it was funnier <laughs> yeah. she yeah. said actually ali mccoy is scotland's fifth highest scorer 19 goals in 61 games so decent record obviously not to the levels of dalgleish and law also a very good actor he was in a film called shot at glory with robert duval i'm not sure if you're aware of this uh, he plays a fictional oh, Celtic. This rings the bell. Supporting striker. He's really good at it. He's genuinely really good at it. Is he? Yeah, it came That's out of the thing. Yeah, check it out. He's really good at it. And as you say, a brilliant conversation as well. <laughs> My brother was in Goal. He's in Goal, the movie. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, he's um, he is. He, he actually has a. <laughs> he actually has a. Uh, or in the in the kind of filming of it, he has a role, and he is. Um, the head of the reserve, it was the captain of the reserves, not head of the reserves, he's captain of the reserves. Yeah. But it, it's never really mentioned in the film, and all he has to do is react when the main cat can't remember any of it. When the main <laughs> characters um 
parent, I think the main character's father dies and they get the, they get the news and the team are in the background and Paul has to pull a sad face. <laughs> that's, his, that's his contribution. Is it a good sad face? Yes. It's an Oscar winning no. sad face. No, it's a real kind of, <laughs> like, like an, an emoji sad face. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And obviously Jock Steen, Jock Steen is a manager, obviously, because he's one of the greatest managers that ever lived. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, the manager of the, the Lisbon Lions and, yeah, a bona fide yeah. Scottish legend. Um, Kelly, that's brilliant. I love that 11. Love speaking to you. I'm going to ask you one question before I let you go. So, if Scotland could give you one thing at the Euros next summer, and it has to be realistic. So, no 8 0 win over England at Wembley on yeah. the 18th of June. Um, what would you ask for? I would take a win. <laughs> I would take a win over England at Wembley. That's fair enough. That would be, that would be the top. Any, any, no, do you know what? Better than an 8 0 win. Do you know what I'd love? I would love England to play Scotland off the park and then for Scotland to score a scrappy late, late winner that has VAR for about six <laughs> minutes scratching their heads and not sure what they're going to do and the England fans feel absolutely furious about for the rest of their lives. That, that is what, I want to feel sick with nerves that England goes all the way through the game and then Scotland just to nick it with some nasty little disputed goal at the end. It would, I would love that like and oh it did something that maybe didn't even cross the line <laughs> there's a suspicion of handball was he maybe offside they're going to be did they measure it from the right point on his arm the whole lot all of it <laughs> and if that does happen kelly i want you to gloat about it on twitter <laughs> you are i like... will do oh i will do <laughs> fantastic kelly case thank you so much thank you